start off and just say, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very funny uh, how much we all have in common. Like, as I was walking up here, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, man, nobody knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> that includes me. So we'll see. Um, pray for me. But, um, but seriously, <laughs> we do have a lot in common. And what that is is uh, whether we're paying attention to it or not, like the Lord is always working together in all of our circumstances. And Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I know a couple things about that. Got a story? Like to hear it? Here it goes. <laughs> My life's been a reflection uh, of God's continued faithfulness. Uh, I grew up in an Air Force family uh, from a young age. There we go. All right. I see you. Okay. <laughs> from a young age, I, I, until I graduated high school, um, I spent a lot of time at church. So at about nine years old, I'd on fire for God, I gave my life to Christ, and I was as on fire as a nine-year-old could be. Um, sophomore year of high school, my mother and I, we actually moved from South Carolina to Seattle, Washington. A little bit of a trip, um, but it was for more opportunities for our family. Uh, senior year, a bit out of left field, uh, we met a talent scout, and they started, we started pursuing a, a potential career in entertainment. So my plan, whatever that might have been in high school, shifted. So fresh out of school, at 17, I moved to Los Angeles, and I started chasing the dream. And you could tell by the smile on my face, uh, God is faithful in disappointment. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever heard the name Mike Tyson, but he's got a quote. He's like, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So uh, yeah, I got punched in the mouth a lot in entertainment. I was getting sent to auditions that I had no business being at. I wasn't booking any kind of gigs or anything. Um, actually, okay, I did have one callback, and that was actually for voiceover work. So they didn't want to see my face. They just wanted me to talk. Uh, I was, if anybody's been to LA, you know the stories of the Metro bus system. I was riding the bus. I also had a bike. So I knew all the streets in greater Los Angeles. So if you're ever out there and you get lost, just call me. I promise you I can tell you how to get to where you want to go. But I was disappointed. Um, because for a year and a half, I was frustrated, I was embarrassed, I was broke. Um, and I don't know if anybody knows, Los Angeles is not a cheap place to live. So I moved on, okay? Um, but all things were working together, even if I didn't know it. God's remained faithful through his favor in my life and relationships. I was introduced to the University of Southern California through my roommates. Um, and while chasing that entertainment dream, I was going to the, the campus gym to work out, stay in shape. Uh, I had a membership there. And uh, I mean, I, I was hustling. I had multiple jobs uh, at a time. My roommates and friends would invite me up to campus, um, you know, after work. I wasn't just kicking it on campus, though. Like, I was involved. So much so, I was in a student play. I was playing intramural sports. I was in a fashion show. Okay, I was about 115 pounds lighter. I was guys, I was in a fashion show. Uh, I was at all the events. I was at the parties. I was there. I was so involved that actually one day, um, one of the enrollment administrators walked up to me and said, son, what's your major? <laughs> so with the sheepish look on my face, because I didn't know what was coming next, I told him, I was like, sir, I don't even go to school here. <laughs> he was like, well, let's set a meeting. Let's get you to SC. All right, and then when he said that, uh, you know, advertising is amazing. If you've ever been to Los Angeles, there's an advertisement for Santa Monica College where literally they make you feel like if you just step foot on the campus, you're going to go to USC, you're going to go to UCLA or Stanford or Cal, wherever you want to go. So that's where I went. Hello, spirit of busyness. Okay. Um, along the way, I started getting real busy in a good way, though, at least I thought at the moment. Uh, I was the president of the Black Student Union. I was on the football team. I worked in financial aid part time. I was working for a real estate developer part time. And I was still over at USC often. I got comfortable. I was on cruise control. Anybody ever been comfortable? Okay. See, I know what's coming. School became easy. Uh, I began to really see his favor uh, working in my life. 
Um, my grades dropped, and I know my mom's watching, so sorry. I even failed a class. And for the cherry on top, okay, we're going to see how many people can relate. For the cherry on top, I actually broke my nose playing intramural football at USC while on the football team at a junior college. And so let's have some real fun. So this, of course, came at the worst time of all because I had a failed entertainment career, right? But this actually came the weekend right before I had a final callback for the show, uh, the reality show, The Real World. Anybody know The Real World? True story. Yeah? Say, I'm, I'm almost ready. I'm almost ready. Um, but it, you should have saw that casting director's face. But either way, uh, I quit football uh, and other extracurricular activities. And this, of course, added one more semester to my community college experience, joy. But I nailed it, OK? I learned the lesson. Uh, I had my best semester ever. Uh, family, I can tell you, I don't know if you know or have heard the saying, but favor isn't fair. If you've experienced, you understand that favor isn't fair. So one semester after failing that course, I was admitted to USC. And God is faithful even in our brokenness. Because little did I know I was about to walk into a season of favor, but there was a lot of breaking still in store. Uh, they called me the mayor around USC. Um, I was living the dream. I worked hard for this opportunity that the Lord had blessed me with. I mean, and they called me the mayor because I actually drove the athletic director's golf cart around campus while working for athletics. Um, Bless me again on March 31st of 2007. It's not a chance encounter, but I met my wife on campus. I could tell you the spot. I know what I'm telling you. And, and, and like, but bless them. Bless, hey, and, and this wasn't like, like I prayed for this woman. And like, she just on campus. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, I launched a community outreach program for USC Athletics. I was like, dude, like, there's no way they can't hire me. But a rude awakening was in store. Another breaking was around the corner. Uh, if anybody, show of hands, remembers the 2008 recession. Yeah, so what that meant for me was that there was a hiring freeze at USC, unless you were Lane Kiffin and you were a football coach. Yeah. Um, so I got a job at a little company based out of a city in the Midwest. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Enterprise. Um, and I experienced success, especially early, uh, but I was not happy. I was promoted early and often. I wasn't happy. I opened multiple locations for the company, and I still wasn't happy. I was getting recognized. It just, it wasn't there. But I do have a little aside. Okay, God has a lot of humor, right? So I pursued entertainment. My first commercial ran for two cycles during the Olympics. I was in an Enterprise commercial. <laughs> Crazy. Like, guys just laughing, like, bro, like, just let me take the wheel. Uh, <laughs> um, but Brooke and I were about to have our first child, so we transferred to St. Louis to work with Enterprise and to be closer to family, and this family's been amazing. Uh, but I tell you, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, we're not in Los Angeles anymore, Toto. Things changed really quickly when I got to St. Louis. I got passed up uh, for a spot that I just knew I could handle and I was ready to take. Um, and that experience fueled my development. Went to Webster, uh, got my MBA, but he shifted my perspective. Coursework allowed me to travel around the world. We went to China, we went to London, we went to Paris. Um, then I was recruited, to, recruited away to a Fortune 100 company, got the opportunity where I recruited for multiple states. Um, I was experiencing success again. I was getting recognition again. But of course, as we know, another breaking point was loading in the form of a company restructure and the big C, right? The COVID shutdown, okay? So I was new to the company, so I was one of the first to get laid off. Um, now, depressed, angry, very angry, um, anxious about my future and my family's future, uh, my mental health wasn't great. I was on an island, um, and he used that breaking to help me overcome the stigma of therapy. But he provided. My wife, right on time, got a promotion. He even presented an entrepreneurial opportunity that's still going to this day. And the thing that was amazing to me, and my wife spoke it, but she was like, babe, this opportunity is going to give you and my oldest daughter an amazing opportunity to bond because she got sent home for virtual learning. 
And that's what happened. Like, we really bonded, so much so that sometimes they kept calling her back because we're playing games and things like that, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, (laughs) Most recently, um, just as Pastor Brent said, it was that opportunity for full-time ministry. So I don't know if anybody is a dreamer in here, but we have what's called off-the-desk you know, projects. It's those passion projects that we, we do when we get bored at work. Well, he has shifted those off-the-desk projects to my ministry work. Like, I don't have any more excuses, and I think he, he definitely knows that, not a thing. But what I want to tell you is this, um, and to that end, God has been faithful through it all. He's been faithful in disappointment. I moved to Los Angeles for entertainment, but he gave me community. He's been faithful through his favor over my life and relationships. I was going to USC for education and validation, and he gave me my wife, my best friend, my family. He was, thank you guys. Oh, look at you. He was faithful in my brokenness. I didn't get a job in USC athletics, but I got a job at Enterprise, and that brought me to St. Louis, and when we wanted to grow our family, it was perfect. My pride was broken, but when I passed up the position at work, I got passed up the position at work, um, that brokenness motivated me to get an MBA and take courses that took me around the world, and he used my brokenness when I was laid off to focus on my mental health and be more present with my family. So my whole life, um, he's been faithful. His plan has always been perfect. So family, God has us right where he wants us. I don't know what he has in store for you um, or what he has in store for me, but I promise you that he's going to remain faithful. Uh, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I love that story. And I love, I love uh, Barry and I, we did a a quick rehearsal on Friday here just to kind of get the juices flowing. And I gave him one note. I said, Barry, make sure that after before you say, you know, we started having babies, that you tell them that y'all got married. So, so I said, I said, Brooke is going to want that detail in there. Um, man, I, I, you guys, I don't know if you know Barry personally, but this brother loves the Lord. He loves people and he's on fire for God. And, um, I love you, man. Um, uh, our next, our next speaker um, has been serving at One Family Church for for many, many years. Um, I, I, he was our second hire, Carol, our second hire, um, and um, Tyler has Tyler began. Um, let, let me just say this: the first time I asked Tyler to come and work at One Family Church, he turned me down. Um, he said, you know what? I just got too much going on. We got a baby coming. We got, you know, he was an engineer at Busman at the time, really doing his thing. And um, he turned me down. He said, no, I, I can't do it. And uh, we got off the phone and I thought he's going to do it. Yeah. And um, he had a conversation with the, 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 the wiser person in their home, Hallie. Um, and, uh, and she said, what are you thinking, man? Um, call him back and tell him yes. And so he did. Um, and then Tyler, uh, over the years, grew into Pastor Tyler, has become an associate pastor here, has overseen all kinds of ministries, um, is especially gifted in strategy and structure and systems. A lot of people say, man, the way that One Family Church operates is, is really, really smooth. Well, a big part of that um, is the work that Pastor Tyler does here. Uh, and I just, yeah. And I just want you all, and it's showing online, put your hands together. Welcome, Pastor Tyler. Thanks, man. Oh, man. Thank you, Barry, for that testimony. Thank you, Pastor Brent, for this opportunity. Well, family, it's amazing to be here with you all, and I really do consider you as family. Um, And you'll see that come out in my testimony. You're spoiling things, man. (laughs) Um, I want to share about how I go where God calls me, and uh, you can see how that went. Um, but growing up, I was, um, I was raised in the church, and you need to know one fact about me, and that's um, that I had a mother who prays. I had a mother who prays. Yeah, yeah. And um, check, check, there we go. Um, I can't overemphasize how important that is to what I'm about to share with you. 
And uh, if, you, if you are a parent, um, I just wanna encourage you, one of the most impactful things you can do is pray for your child. It works. And then if you didn't have a mom, yeah, it works. If you didn't have a mom who prays, welcome to one family. Welcome to one family. You can find a spiritual mother who will pray for you here. Yeah. So growing up, like I said, I was raised in the church. Uh, I was blessed to be baptized, you know, the day I was born. And I was raised in the United Methodist Church. Um, I was uh, re-baptized when I was eight years old. My grandparents and my mother um, did that for me. And uh, I remember that day very clearly. I remember just, you know, being in the church and just loving being in the church. I would sit under the, under the chairs and sing the hymns. We had a hymnal, so we sang hymns. And uh, just loving being around God and being around God's people. When my mom remarried, um, I, uh, we became Lutheran because my stepdad was a part of the Lutheran church. And so I joke with Hallie that we've been every denomination except Baptist. So if you, if you know a good Baptist church, we're trying to check that one off. <laughs> Um, but we joined the Lutheran Church, and that was really a blessing. Um, we, left, uh, we left our old church, which, which was hard at the time, but we entered into a new church. And they did something called confirmation classes. And through confirmation, it was the first time where adults were sitting down and really taking the time to explain the Bible. I had a mentor uh, named Jeff Heft, and he would take me to Hardee's. We'd buy curly fries, and then we'd discuss the Trinity. Uh, and he would explain how it's like an egg or a bicycle wheel and and he would tell me the stories of Abraham and Moses. And, and it was, you know, I was 14 years old and really starting to understand the Bible for myself, getting that knowledge and foundation and, God, and, and preparation for where God was calling me. At the end of that um, confirmation class, they had a special Sunday where they recognized everyone. And my mom, see, my mom's awesome, uh, saved the bulletin from that Sunday, June 6, 2004. And I was looking, I was flipping through here years later. Yeah, I'm talking years later, guys. And uh, we don't have this on the screen because it's got my baby picture. Um, but I'm looking through this because my mom saved it and underneath of it is literally the verse that God had spoken into my life years later as my calling into ministry and as my life verse. He, God put this in this book five or six years before I even knew what was going on. God was calling me, even though I didn't even have ears to, ears to hear. And it's when Jesus is in the temple in Luke 4 and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. You think, it's, think that applies? I don't know. Like, uh, I've been trying to do that to the best of my ability, but God had that for me. He was calling me years before I was even aware of what he was doing. Years before. I couldn't see it. I, didn't, I just couldn't see it. And so... I finished this confirmation class and I had been given all this knowledge and understanding, a foundation to go out and go where God had called me. Uh, but honestly, I still would have considered myself to be kind of a nominal Christian, really someone who understood a lot about God but wasn't really living out of my faith. My faith wasn't alive and active. I wasn't, I wasn't radically seeking to become more and more like Christ. I really just understood God. I didn't have a relationship with him. And so that's, that's kind of the status I was in as I went off to college. And so I got into the University of Illinois by God's grace. Yeah, amen, yes. <laughs> University of Illinois, that's right. Um, and uh, and I, was, I was getting ready to go off to college kind of in this state of, of just having knowledge but not wisdom. And so uh, my parents took me to the dorm and you know that we got lunch and then they, uh, they said, see you later. And so uh, um, I, was, I was on my own. I was in my dorm room um, with, with my new roommate and he was randomly assigned, Austin Berger, and uh, not 15 minutes after my parents had left, this guy comes walking down the hallway and he's got a flyer. He's like, hey guys, we're throwing a rager party. You guys wanna come check this out? Like, you know, college life. And I'm honest, honestly, I didn't have the wisdom in my own at that time to probably say no to that. I probably would have taken that flyer and gone to that party. But Austin, he was a junior in university. And he, yeah, yeah in university, and so he was living intentionally in a freshman dorm to reach freshmen for God. So he's standing there, he takes the flyer, and he has the wisdom to go, eh, I've got plans. In varsity large groups tonight. Tyler, you wanna go? And since I didn't know any better, I went to large group. And I met a group of people on campus, and just an aside, InterVarsity and Campus Crusade crew and college ministries saved my life. 
And so I'm here on this stage because of that ministry. And so I just cannot praise them enough for the work they do. And so Austin took me to a large group and I met this group of people who were on fire for God. They, they were living out their faith. They knew Jesus personally. They were praying every day. They knew how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. That wasn't in my understanding. And so I, it was really compelling. And I said, I really want this life. And so I went to, I went to a new student uh, conference and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I said, I'm gonna go all in on this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go hard after God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna align my actions with what the word of God says. And it was an amazing transformation. And in the course of just one year, you would have, we wouldn't even recognize me. And so that foundation that he had um, laid in my confirmation in early years growing up in the church, he used to call me deeper into his purpose through people like Austin in college. And I'm just, I'm just forever thankful that God used him to call me. Um, so I wanna share two significant experiences that came, came out of being involved in InterVarsity. And the first was uh, a week-long trip to an extremely important city called St. Louis. And uh, you'll, you'll find a theme here. So I went on this trip, and it's one of InterVarsity's urban plunges. And so I've, I grew up in a, a relatively small town, East Peoria, Illinois. And, um, but I didn't have a lot of experience with the city or, or some of the challenges that cities faces. And so this urban plunge was a completely new type of environment for me. And I didn't have a lot of uh, capacity to understand what was going on with race and justice and poverty that's happening in the city because my context growing up, I was, I was blind to those things in my context. And so God, God was calling me and preparing me for even the next phase on that trip and understanding that God's heart breaks for the city and breaks for those things, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. And, and I had never understood that. And I, so God was teaching me what his heart was like so that I could align my heart with his. And because I love God, I care about the things he cares about. The second significant experience I had uh, was, was a missions conference in an extremely important city called St. Louis. <laughs> and so I went to the Urbana Missions Conference in 2009. And uh, it was, I, I, I still have a clear memory of why wow, this was at the Edward Jones Dome, walking into the stadium in the Edward Jones Dome, and there are 40,000 college students praising God. Like we were a little late, so they were already praising. And I had never seen how big God is, how big his church is, how powerful we are when we get together. Because my, my little churches has just been a couple hundred people, and our varsity is a couple hundred people, but here's 40,000 young people gathered in one place for one mission to reach the world with the gospel. And I had never experienced, yeah, amen. I had never experienced that before, and it changed my heart and changed my life. And God's heart for the world became, became my heart, to have a heart for all people at all places. At the end of Urbana, they, they do this awesome thing where they um, have you fill out a commitment card and that's why we do this at church because you're more likely to do things you write down. And so I filled out the commitment card and I've got a copy of it right here. This isn't my original. I kept it in my wallet and got destroyed. But this is a copy of the card. This is my book from Urbana, 2009. And, and there were a couple levels <laughs> on the commitment card. The lower level was a short-term trip, which is like a, a week. And the second level was a long-term trip, which is two years. And they even put a plus, two years plus. And I was like, that's not for me. Two years plus, that's too much. So I decided to check the box that said short-term mission. Well, I went through the rest of two years, two years of college and I never got it done. I never went on that mission trip. And uh, I was always disappointed ab about that. And uh, I was graduating uh, and uh, by God's grace, amen. And I had been given an, a job offer in an extremely important city yeah. <laughs> called St. Louis. So I moved to a city where I didn't know anybody, um, and I had only spent a week at one church. And so as I was moving here, I was, I was getting to know the job. I was terrible at it. Um, young professionals, you're going to be bad at your job for like two years. It's okay. Um, but I started going to New City Fellowship, which is the church that I uh, did, one of our brother and sister churches over here in New City. It's the only place I knew. And so I was, I was trying to get involved there, and so I went to the website, and I was looking at places I could plug in and serve because I had learned that in college, if you wanna get plugged in, serve. And so I was going down the list, and I was like, no, 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 no. And I got to the bottom, it said youth. And, and I thought, oh, maybe I could do youth. And so I, uh, I called the youth pastor, and I go, do you need some help? And I got to the E in help, and he said, yes. 
<laughs> he said, I'll take you, whoever you are. So we got five guys and uh, no, not like that. We got some five guys burgers. He checked me out. I checked him out and, and uh, he said, come on out to youth group on Wednesday night. And so made a plan and I went out to youth group and uh, it's my first night there. And also happened to be uh, the first night of another adult leader named Hallie Hudson. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember this, uh, but apparently Otto introduced us both, but I don't remember seeing her until later. Uh, but then I saw her and then I really noticed her. Um, and I said, hmm, I need to get to know her a little better. So we were serving in youth ministry um, and uh, we were getting to know each other's friends for a little while. And then we were standing out in the parking lot one night after youth group and she said, you know, man, I feel kind of bad for you. <laughs> you don't seem like you have very many friends. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I don't know anybody in this city. Um, so she said, hey, some friends and I are, are hosting dinner for people in the church every week. Do you want to come on out? And so I was there every week. I was coming there every week. I didn't have any other plans. I was at community dinner. And so through that, we got to know um, each other and fell in love, started to date. And about that time uh, that we were thinking about getting married, um, one of our good friends through community dinner, Andy Sherman, now Andy Hendred, um, invited us to come out to check out this upstart church called U City Family Church at the time. And so we decided to come check it out to see what was going on in the Tivoli Theater. And our, our first Sunday was amazing. Um, you know, the preaching was, was good, you know, it was good. Um, but what stood out to me about Pastor Brent and Rebecca was that they remembered us. They, got, they took the time to know our story and, and they loved God and loved us. And you guys loved us into the church, honestly. And so after coming for a few months, we decided we'd really love to have Pastor Brent be the person who marries us. So we asked him, and we started to do premarital counseling with him. Well, as we were deciding to start our family and get married, we, said, we were thinking, man, we gotta pick a church because we're still serving here over at New City where we love all the people and love the work we're doing. And we really love this new church at one family church, or New City Family Church at the time. And so we said, we really gotta make a decision. So we got coffee in the morning and, and we were wrestling with this and praying through this decision. And we really decided that morning, we're gonna go and stay at New City. Like the weight of relationship there, we just wanna stay over there. And so later that night, we're meeting with Pastor Brent for our premarital counseling. And so we go to Meshuggah and we're, we're sitting down. And as we're sitting down, he goes, hey, I've just been thinking, you know, uh, our youth guy is moving uh, out of town and he's for some family. Would you guys ever consider like coming to, you know, work with the youth at New City Family Church? And, and we look at each other and go, we're gonna have to talk about that. Because <laughs> we decided to leave this morning. <clears throat> so we go out onto the loop, Hallie and I, and, and the first words out of my mouth as we hit the sidewalk is, man, if we're really gonna move to this new church, I want it to be something, a, a change of path. Like, I don't wanna just be volunteering with youth, the same thing we're doing at our, at our old church. I want this to be something different, uh, a calling, God calling us into something. So we go over to Forest Park and we're sitting on a bench, and then Brent calls me on the phone and he says, hey, I was debriefing with Rebecca and she thought I should just clarify, this is like a you know, part-time staff, we'd pay you a little bit of money to work with the youth and you know, maybe that would turn into something. Okay, bye. <laughs> so we're literally s sitting on the bench and I, I turn to Hallie and I go, I think that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so maybe we should go where God is calling us. And, um, and so we called Brent back and said yes. <laughs> um, and we moved, we said our goodbyes uh, to our lovely family over at New City and came over to a new family at One Family Church. And it's been, it's been an amazing, amazing, amazing journey and blessing. And so, as you can see, I wasn't always aware that God was calling me. I wasn't even aware. I mean, again, years later, I would look back at this. Again, praise for my mom for saving this. I wasn't always even aware of his call because there was so much noise going on and I was focused on other things and the quiet whisper, the still small voice was too far in the background. And so I wanna encourage you to take time to sit and to listen, to take time and discern. And God's voice came through many different things, through people, through his word, through calls. He is calling you into something. He has something for you. 
And it, it might not come tomorrow, it might not come next year. I'd wait five years to be full-time at one family. But his calling is there if you'll take the time to listen. Amen. 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 Man, I love these stories. Um, all right, we're going to have one more. Um, many of you know Minister Shay f- through her singing and, and worship. Um, but today I want you to hear from her heart um, the way that God has called her into what God has called her into. Um, now, I will just let you know right out of the gate, uh, she landed in St. Louis this morning from, y'all were up in New York City, right? Um, their daughter, Kennedy, made a surprise announcement a couple weeks ago and said, I'm getting married. And, um, and I'm getting married in New York, and I'm getting married in two weeks. And so, uh, so <laughs> Minister Shea was texting me from the plane this morning pictures of, uh, of Kennedy uh, in her wedding dress, and, and just it was awesome. Um, so we're thrilled that you made it back. Um, and... Uh, I, I won't, I won't give a long introduction, but but I believe the Lord has, has led Minister Shea here as well. Um, the, everybody that comes here um, and that comes onto our team, um, there's a process, and uh, we take time to get to know one another, and we take time to um, communicate and hear one another's hearts and see one another's hearts. Um, and I just thank God for the day that I picked up the phone and called Minister Shea. It happened to be the day uh, that she had been laid off of her prior job. The day, the very day, we had about, we were in a conversation for 10, 15 minutes, and she said, it's really interesting that you would call today. Um, today was my last day at my former job. And uh, I said, well, praise God. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, we both uh, had, we're both preacher's kids. Uh, both of our fathers were, were Pentecostal preachers. Both of our fathers pastored in Ohio. Um, the more we got to talking, the more I said, just just come on over here um, and be a part of this team. So would you please put your hands together and welcome Minister Shea. Okay. Well, good morning again. Listen, I thought I was going to be able to sit and kind of like chill and we was going to talk in the chairs. I was like, oh, I got to really stand up and like it's, I'm preaching. So... Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, I won't be before you long. I learned that in church. So how many minutes do I have? Now, I honestly left my notes. They were in my phone, and I left it down there. But I do remember, so I'm not going to just be all over the place. Um, No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Um, But I do know what um, I want to say. So, like you said, born and raised in church, um, I experienced a lot of times um, just growing up where I was the only one that something would happen to or something out of a group of people, I would be the person who had to do this or do that. But anyway, when I was um, two years old, I was adopted. I didn't know I was adopted until like second grade. My parents never told me. I just figured they were a lot older than my friend's parents. And because, yeah, well, my parents, right now my father's 85. And my mother, she's gone on to glory, bless her heart. But um, my parents were older, so as you can imagine, in second grade, all your friends are talking about how they're having little siblings born. And I was like, um, I don't think my mom can have kids. I, you know, I was just thinking, that, like, I don't know if she can do that. And so they weren't real old, but I just was like, I don't know. You know, you was really thinking. And so um, that's how I found out. I went home and I asked her, you know, was birth painful, you know, for me? And she was like, well, I didn't have you. And, you know, I was a little devastated. And so um, she let me know that I had been adopted. And so... Uh, they adopted me. My parent, my rigid, my birth parents were both 17 years old when they gave birth to me. And um, I prayed and prayed to meet my parents. And this is just another story within the story to tell you where I'm going. Um, and by the time I was 12, and I grew, like I said, grew up in church, and I always wanted to be a singer. All right. So I was singing in church. Um, the family that God placed me with, my mother was a musician. She was the first musician for the church. My brother played the bass. My cousin was a minister of music. So it was a very musical family. And so my original family, I don't know if anybody can sing. I've been asking, and they say that they can, but they never will sing for me. And so I was like, okay. I do have a couple cousins that play. But I was the only one to seem to have that gift in my original family. You all follow me, right? Okay, so my, my adopted family, like I said, I prayed and prayed. And um, 
my adopted parents were still foster parents to many children. And one day, this little girl, she came to live with us. We, we got along so well. Her name, was Ta- her name is Tanya. Got along so good. I was like, man, she's like a good friend. So um, every, every once in a while, she would go visit her mother. She came home one day back to us with a note. And she said, here, this for you. And I said, okay. So I opened it, and I'm 12. And it says, hi, Shawanda. Tanya's my daughter, and I'm your mother. I had been praying to meet my mother, and God had placed my birth sister in the house with me um, as with my foster parents. Now, how crazy is that? And they're like, oh, the agency made a mistake. And I was like, nah. That was God's like, wow. So I met my sister, and from there I met all of my family, and they were always around me. The craziest things is like um, some went to our church. My best, very best friend my, her father worked with my grandmother. They knew, a lot of people knew me. And so they were always nearby, but I, I didn't live with them. So I know God moved me for a reason. Didn't know why. There's some other things that, you know, come along with once you meet your family that you're like, okay, God, I see where you took me and why, you know. You know, we, we all have them, you know. You, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family members. But God, he, he, he brought me out of that for a reason. And um, I still I talk to them, still love them. But even in that situation at, at church, I was singing all the time and leading solos and, and trying to sing with the adult choir, all of those things. Up until um, high school, I was singing and I went to private school, Christian school, and learned a lot of music there. Um, I auditioned for plays, but never was chosen to to make make the plays. And so my mother told me one day she was going to send me to Star Search. So for those of you who don't know it's Star Search, it's like the grandmother of American Idol. Okay, you get four stars. I was going to win. I was like, I got this. But I never went. And so it was a goal, like, like Barry was saying, I had a, a, a dream of mine to become a singer. That's what I really wanted to do with my life. So I would um, stay home. I mean, during the day when I was younger, I, re- I remember watching MTV. And so MTV at that time, everybody, they played music videos all day. There were no talk shows. The real world wasn't out yet. <laughs> but nothing but music. I watched Whitney Houston, Madonna, and I would just be Billy Joel. I know I'm telling my age, but I love those people. I'd just be staring. Phil Collins, like, oh, my gosh, they can sing so good. Huey Lewis and the News. That's my favorite group. Sorry. Okay. Back, back to the story. Back to the story. So I would watch it, and i tell my mom, I want to do that. And she said, okay, yeah, yeah, you can do it, you can sing. And so it never happened. Like, uh, I would write record companies, writing letters to Quincy Jones, for those you know, writing Capitol Records. I, my name is Shawanda, and I can sing. I would send a tape, a cassette tape. I would record my voice and send it. I never heard back anything. And everybody said, you have such a gift. And I kept saying, God, well, how come this isn't happening for me? Okay, let's fast forward. I joined a community choir. My cousin had a choir, and I met this guy named Will at the, commu- at the rehearsal. He's a pretty cool guy. And so um, <laughs> we, uh, Will and I dated for several months, almost a year, and we ended up, we were 18, 19. We ended up getting married. He proposed to me, um, and then I was pregnant before the wedding. Yes, that did happen to me. And I'm not ashamed to admit that because what God has done in my life. Um, my child, my oldest son, Will III, he's not a mistake. He's a blessing. But the sin, the act was, that was the sin, the act of fornication before marriage. That was where the sin is. Curing the child is not a sin. And it took God a while to tell me that. And so learning to worship, this is, this is where the worship part comes in. Because I felt lonely. I was uh, silenced at my church, meaning I could not participate. I couldn't sing in the choir. The very thing I love to do, I couldn't direct. I couldn't be with the worship team. I couldn't go on youth outings um, because I was pregnant. And so during that time, I, I would be praying and I'm saying, Lord, I know I messed up, but man, this really hurts. Why, why am I being treated like this? And, you know, my dad's the pastor. I'm like, and we were made to be married outside under a tent. We couldn't get married in the sanctuary. It's a lot of legalistic things, but we're not going to go down that aisle and get sad. We're going to keep going. <laughs> but even through those times, I learned to worship him with just singing songs. It, it could just be something like, yes, Jesus loves me. Those things encouraged me. And so anyway, I stepped out on faith. We went to college. He and I both, we lived on campus with our two young kids. They had housing for, for families. So we lived on campus. 
um, we started the choir, the choir that was this saying, right on King Jesus that he loves. And so I started writing music and I was, um, I had enough, uh, I guess I was, I felt uh, that I could start singing my own music. I was a, a little afraid for a while, you know, to step out there and do it. I started singing my own music and then eventually I recorded an album. So I said, I know this is what I do. I want to be a singer. So I'm about to make it. I'm going to be traveling. This is what I want to do. So it was like my album did pretty good locally, but like nobody around this world really knew who I was. It would be little spurts, little pockets. People have heard of me, but that would be about it. So yeah, that's a shameless plug. I got two albums out. All right, so you can, you can Google my name and I will pop up. Please stream it. Yes, download it. Support, support indie artists. <laughs> but... That, that was a dream of mine, but it, it never seemed to happen in that way. And so I was leading worship um, at a church in Cincinnati, leading at my father's church. And then I was working a full-time job for the um, housing authority. Thank you. And so um, at that time, I was like, Lord, I really want to do this for you. I don't know how I can do it all the time, but I love it. I just love it. I love your people. I love singing, but I love music. And so crazy thing happened to me. I was um, working for the housing authority. Like I said, I had a very good job. I, was, I had a government vehicle, and I was out in the field all day. So I wasn't micromanaged. It's really free, but I did my job, and I loved it. And I said, I'll never leave this job, though. This is good. This is good. One day, they came and said, hey, well, you know your position was grant-funded. Oh, I think I did know that. So... I was playing dumb. They said, well, we didn't get the funding. We're not going to let you go, but we're just going to move you to another department. I was like, Phew. But here's the thing. I was in a hallway with one other department. It was all of my coworkers, the same office. I literally moved like maybe eight feet to another office, and I worked for a totally different department. But I was the only one, the only one who moved, who got moved. And I was surrounded by everyone else. And I felt so left out. I kept saying, God, what's, what's up? What's going on? So I got on the computer one day and I started looking up. I Googled worship leader positions. And I said, uh, well, and one popped out and it was in St. Louis. And I said, oh, well, no, that's far. Because I was in Ohio. So I ignored it. Went to bed, and while I was asleep, something kept saying, it was like it was, somebody was nudging me. It was like, apply. And I was like, no way, because Will is not moving. And now we have, by then we had five children. I was like, no. So I got online, and I applied anyway. And literally the next morning, somebody called me, emailed me. And I was like, oh, okay, hi. So <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this up. I hope I haven't been too long. But someone called me for an interview, and... Um, I did it over the phone. And they said, okay, well, we want to do a group interview. Can you do FaceTime? So I was like, I can do it during the day. And there was an hour time difference. And I said, but how can I get to my car while at work and my supervisor at work? So my supervisor, who never, never, never goes on vacation, went on vacation. Now, I'm not telling anybody to do something on company time. Don't, don't listen to me. Just act like that didn't happen. So it was leading up to lunch. So I said to my coworker, hey, I'm going to run to the car. I'll be right back. Nobody's looking for me. I did two interviews in two days um, over the phone. Then they wanted to meet my husband. And this ministry um, asked, they said, well, we would like for you to come see us. Um, when could you come visit? I said, well, I'm dropping my oldest girl off, the one that just got married to college. And I, I, I can't do it to the end of the month unless I came this Friday and I'm chuckling. And then they called, they said, well, let me call you right back. They called me right back. And they said, okay, we have you two flights to come this Friday. It was Wednesday. I was like, what? Okay, so, oh, by that time, actually, Will didn't know I had applied, let me tell you. Because it happened so fast, because I was obedient, and it started happening. And I said, oh, Lord, I haven't told my husband. So I had to tell him, and he said, what? And he was looking at me like, are you for real, St. Louis? So he agreed to come, thank the Lord. We came, and then they uh, interviewed me, but was talking to him and said, we heard that you were a youth pastor. He said, yeah. And I said, well, we're looking for one, too. They hired us both, and we relocated our whole family. But uh, skipping to the next section of my life, leading worship full-time for God now. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. This is great. I learned so much stuff. Like, I mean, just a lot of things about people, about managing people, but about the Lord. And I learned that I could not be a worshiper without a prayer life. Prayer life was number one. 
I prayed before I sang anything, not just on the stage, but in the seats. I would be in the sanctuary by myself praying on my knees like I used to see my parents do when they would be praying all night. They used to take us to, to they would call it an all-night prayer or shut-in. I would be on the floor asleep, but they would just be in there, oh, Jesus, mm. and just, and I'm asleep, and then wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and then, you know, got to, you know, get up and do whatever, but I would be there, and I was, I was praying, so I learned that in order to worship, you have to have a prayer life. You have to have a relationship with the Lord. It, it's not gift, you know, dependent, you know, because I can get up here with a horse throat, and then if I don't have no relationship or, or nothing, it's probably not going to sound the best. I'm not going to say I can't get through it, but I think it goes an extra, an extra mile because of the relationship and what I have with him, and when I can't physically do it on my own you know he's there so anyway with that um like pastor Brent said it was another only one situation they were making some changes and they came to me and said unfortunately the worship leader position has been eliminated and I'm like what how do we have a church without a worship leader what okay so I struggled that was a hard thing for me I didn't understand I said Lord why would you have me come all the way here and now, what am I going to do? And he said, I will take care of you. That's what he said. And I heard him loud and clear. Now, he did take care of me. Um, and one day, I got an email from a man named Brent Rome. And I was, in a, I was in the car with my children. I can't remember what I was doing. And I said, who is Brent Rome? So I immediately thought it was spam. So I just kept scrolling. And then something, I felt that, that nudge say, hey, go read that email. So I read it, and it's like, hey, I'm a pastor. I was like, UC. I said, where is U City? Now, I have been here three years, but remember, COVID had happened. I had got here in 2018. COVID had happened, so I hadn't really learned the city. And I was like, I don't know where U City really is, but okay. So I decided to write back. And he, like, called me immediately. And he was just the nicest man I had ever met. Like, I was like, oh, how does he know about me? How does he, how did he hear? Someone had told him about me. Someone that I had never met. See, God will put your name in the mouths of people that, or in rooms that you've never even been in. I literally did not know this person. I had heard of them. They had seen me. We were like Facebook friends. And she had referred me. And so I met with him, Pastor Mark. And you, as you can see, I had, um, I had told the Lord. I said, I wasn't sure if I wanted to, to do this. I said, I don't know. I, I love singing. I love worship. I love worship music. I love communicating with you. And it's a passion for me. But I don't know if I want to keep dealing with your crazy church people. I really said that. I said, some people are just, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. I have to pray. And so um, I'm a dreamer. And I had a dream that I was in at this church at a rehearsal. And it was in a theater. And it was around maybe September, October-ish. <laughs> so crazy. I'm about to cry. It was, and, and there were people coming in, but this was the key. They were white, black, Asian. They were all different races. As you look around this room, thank you, Jesus. And I, and I woke up and I said, I think that was the church. I'm sorry. And so in that situation again where I was the only one being casted out, God brought me somewhere else. But I will say, say this, if you are faithful over a few things, like the word says, he'll make you ruler over many. I didn't know you had two campuses. I didn't know that there was, you know, uh, two services and so many worship uh, leaders and singers and all of the wonderful people. That did. And so let me tell you, my goal, my dream was to be a famous recording artist. Now, maybe one day that will happen, but God said, you are a worshiper for me first. And I told him, I said, God, how can I do this for you? And he made the way. See, I had my own way, my own plan in my mind, but he laid the plan and I'm still following. I'm just along for the ride. So I just want you to know that if you have plans and visions, give them over to God. You know, it might not look how you want it to look, but he has you. He has you. He has your best heart in mind. And so that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's, it's really, it really is inspiring to hear the way that God intersects deeply in the lives of each and every one of us. 
if this was way back in the day, you know what we would do at this point? We would just start handing the microphone all around the auditorium. But, um, but God has given us wisdom to not do that. Uh, <laughs> I do want to close with this and just say, these stories are coming from the hearts of these people. And when you begin to open up your life and experience God for real, then God starts to narrate the story of your life as well. Um, one of the things I really appreciated, Minister Shea, the way you said that and ended that was you and I may have a dream, but when we give our dream to God, then he invites us into his vision. And his vision is always bigger than our dream. And God has a vision for each and every one of you. God has a vision for the direction he wants your life to go. God has a vision for the way that he wants to intersect in your relationships and in your profession and in your family and with your parents and with your children and with your friends and at your church and in this community. God has a vision for you and for your life. And your testimony is just your description of that vision up to the present moment. And, and as, as uh, Barry said, we don't always know where God is taking us, but we always know that God is taking us. We always know that God is in charge and we open our heart and our lives to him. And he's got a calling and a mission and a purpose for us, even before we know it. As Pastor Tyler said, even before it's, it's written in ink, even before you knew he was calling you. So I just want to, the, the value of telling a story is that you will begin to think about your story. And if you don't have a story with Jesus, I want to invite you to have one today. I want to invite you to open your heart, receive him into your life, and begin to allow him to dictate and to author the story that he's written for you. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we love you. We are grateful for the way that you have invaded our lives. We are grateful for the way that you have um, just just uh, intersected our hearts and our stories and our narratives. And we have attached our story to yours. We've attached our life to you. We've attached our dreams to your vision. And I pray, Lord God, for each and every person who's here today. I pray for those that are here that are not quite sure what they believe about you. I pray that even if they don't understand the theology and the doctrine, that they would understand the stories that they heard today. The story of God coming in and changing the life for the better. The story of God taking us where he wants us to go. The story of God leading us and guiding us and being faithful and true to us no matter what. I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus. I pray that we would be renewed. Our faith would be renewed by the telling of the story. I pray that we would overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. I pray that we would follow you, God, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But not only that, we would begin to tell our story of you to others and invite them to participate in the great epic narrative of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I thank you for each and every person that's joining us here today. I thank you for every single person that's down at the Shaw campus right now. I thank you for every person joining us online. I thank you for every brother at Stepping Into the Light Ministries. We love you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.